This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Welcome to The Worst Girl Gang Ever, proudly sponsored by Modibody. Modibody is absorbent underwear that was founded to help people to better manage their periods and incontinence without the need for disposable pads, tampons or liners. It's a more comfortable, dignified solution that is better for our bodies and better for the environment. The new way to period. Their purpose is to create a limitless positive impact on people and our planet. Beyond selling leak-proof underwear that empower people's lives, they are committed to being sustainable in all that they do, helping to end period poverty and support health education programmes that normalise and open up conversations around our bodies. To date, they have already donated 25,000 pairs of underwear to women in times of crisis and need. To get a Girl Gang discount off your very own pair of period pants, go to modibody.co.uk and use the code WORST15 at checkout. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of The Worst Girl Gang Ever. Today, we are lucky to be joined in the studio. In the studio, yeah. In the studio by Jane Fisher. So, Jane, can you tell us, firstly, hello, but can you tell us what your role is with ARC? Hi, I'm actually the director of ARC. And I, can I say, first of all, it's lovely to be with you here in the studio. Oh. <laughs> inviting me. It's great to be a lovely studio. It's a lovely studio, isn't it? It is, it is. It changes from week to week. <laughs> Thanks for the champagne too. That was a nice oh, touch. No problem. No problem. So you're the you're the director. I am, yes. And I realised that I have now, it will, in November, it will be 20 years that I've been working with ARC. So. Oh, wow. Wow. In and for those, um, those of our listeners that don't know, can you explain a bit about ARC and what you do sure. and who you are? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So the full name of our charity is Antenatal Results and Choices. And okay. we provide impartial information and support right through antenatal screening, antenatal diagnosis and particularly when a diagnosis is made. Mm -hmm. uh, women and couples are faced with really, really difficult decisions. And okay. we have no investment in the, the decision they make, but our job really is to help them gather all the information they need, get the support they need to make the decision that's right for them. And having said that, we do specialise in providing ongoing bereavement support for those that make the difficult decision to end the pregnancy, because we're the only charity providing that specialised support. If they continue the pregnancy, we will obviously support them emotionally, but also there are great organisations out there who know what it can be like to bring up a child with a particular condition and will signpost them to the appropriate charity. So we do a lot of our work with people who, who do make that difficult choice to end their pregnancy. That's wonderful. Yeah. I wonder, 20 years ago, was it very different to how it is now? Uh, yes and no. I think the the emotional and psychological side of things hasn't changed much mm -hmm. in the, well, I'm sure you can imagine there'll be listeners who've actually been through this painful experience. Lots, yeah. Way, a difficult and complicated loss, and that hasn't changed, and it will, mm -hmm. never, will never change. The technologies have changed a lot. The scans have got much better. 
genetic testing has moved on amazingly. Yeah. So there are more diagnoses made, and so more people actually confronted with these difficult decisions. So that's changed. And interestingly, I think probably in the last four or five years, I think the stigma has actually increased a bit. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, I think there are lots of reasons for that, but it's particularly for those women who are diagnosed, whose baby's diagnosed with a condition that isn't fatal, Mm -hmm. they become, I think they become more reticent to talk about it because right. they feel judged because yeah. there is, you know, we, we're all living in the world of social media and there are a lot of strong opinions out there on social media yeah and some of that I think has made these distressing and, and stressful circumstances even worse to be honest I guess 20 years ago people probably weren't very open about their experiences yeah. maybe not even with their close family and friends whereas now I guess people are able to talk about it more and therefore like you say everyone seems to have have an opinion and social media too you know with social media comes this kind of curtain whereby you know the keyboard warriors get out don't they and you don't have to be very brave to say whatever you want to say because you're a faceless person yeah yeah, and you can get away with saying something unkind horrible nasty yeah. With um, with there being no repercussions whatsoever, whereas you couldn't do that fifty years ago, you'd have to say something face to face, and people don't do that because, like, yeah, it's one of my big things about social media. I hate that the whole troll, troll, troll. Is it trolling or trolling, 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 trolling? Yeah, yeah, nasty yeah. trolls, whatever. Nasty trolls. Yeah, I mean, one thing that has happened, and this is an example. Really, she do a great job raising awareness and so on, doing a podcast is that people do talk about pregnancy and baby loss more, which is a good thing. Mm. I think with with what we deal with, which is now I think the phrase that's used most commonly is termination of the medical reasons. I think there's still an extra taboo because people do fear judgment and because although I wouldn't want to create any kind of hierarchy of loss, obviously any loss is, is really sad and difficult. But I think a lot of women and couples, because they feel implicated in the loss, they yeah. feel they had to make a decision. And obviously for the woman, she signs an abortion form. Yeah. It's another, it's, it's, another, sort of, it's another layer of pain. And, and yeah. there must be so, I just feel my heart just goes out to all, all the TFMR people that, we have, um, that we've had on our podcast, as well as the people that we see in our community. Because there must be this extra pain of did we make the right decision or even what if what if it wasn't as bad as we thought it was going to be or all these questions that come into your head that must surely come into your head Mm. must be so difficult to kind of make peace with yeah it's hard but I I suppose what I can say is I wouldn't have been working at art for 20 years if we didn't see women couples families through this I couldn't I mean I would have given up within months yeah it's amazing that the, the reserves of strength people find to yeah. work through these, you know, these, well, you know, it is traumatic. I think it, the word's overused, but I think for a lot of women it is a traumatic experience. Yeah. But over time and with support, they recognise that, you know, they do the best they can in what are really extreme circumstances. They mm. you know, nobody makes the decision lightly. They get doctors, expert opinions on what's going on. 
and they work out what it means for them as as a couple, as a family, for their future, mm. and they make that decision in the best way possible always. Mm. And they do make peace with that, I think. Most women will reconcile themselves to the fact that they were thrown into this nightmare and they did the very best they could by their baby and by their family, and that's important for them to be helped to come to realise, I think. Yeah, definitely. And so at what point do you kind of step in? How do people find you? Well, we've got quite good relationships with the fetal medicine units in hospitals and with healthcare professionals. We do healthcare professional training as well. Mm -hmm. So usually people are signposted from the healthcare team to us at various stages. It might be when they've had a screening result that gives them a higher chance of the baby having a condition. It might be after a scan when they've been given difficult news, or it might even be they get in touch with us after they've actually had their termination. So it's at various points. Okay. And then we'll pick up there and, and help them in any way we can. Oh, it's just unthinkable, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what we get a lot from women. It's it's that shock and that they can never be prepared for it. You know, you no. can have all the literature from the NHS about scans and about tests and they I think everybody knows the possibility. I'm sure you've had scans and you know that you go into a scan and there's a possibility they can find something. But a lot of people think it's not going to be me. Yeah, yeah. It's something you see on TV. It's not going to be our family. We've done everything right. We've looked after ourselves. There's nothing in the family. Mm. And so when the sonographer turns around and has to say, I'm sorry, but I found something here that I'm really worried about, it, it just hits them with an extraordinary impact and the kind of reeling from the shock of that diagnosis. And then suddenly the doctors will say, well, you've, you've got a decision to make here. We can't, mm. we can't cure this. We can't make your baby better. This is, you no, know, there's nothing we can do, but you do have an option if you want to, to end the pregnancy. So they're kind of reeling from the shock. Yeah. Use, and then they know that they've got to make a life-changing decision. It's so what must be so hard as well is the fact that there is limited time to make this decision. It's not like you can go away and think about it for a couple of months, is it? You have to. No, I mean, it, it now there are there's a lot more that's picked up earlier in pregnancy. So the 12 okay. week scan, there's quite a lot that comes out of that. But I yeah. would say, and I'm sure I don't have to say this for you, it's not necessarily easier emotionally when things happen earlier in pregnancy. It's still very difficult to deal with. Yeah. People do have time then to gather their information and work out what it means for them and make their decisions. Things get tougher at the 20-week scan. Yeah. Because yeah. if something's picked up, they may need more tests. And the law changes in, in England, Scotland, and Wales at 24 weeks. And yeah. Basically, the fact is if she wants to, if they want to end the pregnancy before 24 weeks, they'll be able to do so. After 24 weeks, the doctors have to decide. Okay. So we talk to people, and it's really harrowing that, who have been given a diagnosis. They're maybe at 23 weeks, and they've got a few days, sometimes 24 hours to decide. Oh, wow. Because the doctors have said, well, we're not sure that we can sign this off after 24 weeks. Yeah. So they have to decide... Because if they don't make that decision to end the pregnancy in that time frame, then they have to keep the pregnancy. Exactly. They have to continue. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And that's because it's the doctor's decision. And some doctor, doctors have different interpretations of the law. 
and their own position sometimes on the law. And that is really tough, really, really yeah. tough. Yeah. We've spoken to some absolute warriors about their TFMRs on the podcast. Mm. And I can't remember who it was that we spoke to who was telling us that, Bex, you might remember, they were telling us that they were trying, they had to make a decision, but time was running out. And their biggest fear was that the baby would be born alive because they 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 wanted to make the decision to end it if this was the case, like the condition that, that they yeah. had given yeah. a probable diagnosis of. But there was a real possibility that this baby could be born with like real life limiting problems mm-hmm. and they weren't weren't prepared for that but and and there was also a real possibility that it would come early because of those problems right. and that must be so scary yeah. Yeah. you can't like how do you how do you get your head around that enough to kind of function day to day like how do you just want to press pause don't you press pause make your decision and then and then press play again but and it's so hard because so many people are dealing with levels of uncertainty it's actually quite rare for a woman or couple to be told this is exactly what's going to happen yeah most often there are shades of gray so you're also dealing with but well it could be this or it could be that what what how far are we prepared to go? What risks are we prepared to take as a couple on behalf of our baby? And that is also really difficult. I guess that's why I, it's such a difficult decision. If if you someone was to say to you, these are the exact problems yeah. that this baby will have, they yeah. they definitely won't survive birth, or they definitely yeah. will, but but they won't survive till two years old, or then it's much more clean cut and simple, isn't it? It's still difficult. You've got that clarity of what the yeah. outcome. That's not that's not normal situation. Normal situation is a range of possibilities, from kind of worst case scenarios to something that maybe slightly less serious. And so couples are trying to work out: can we take those risks? Are we prepared to take these risks? Can we tolerate the uncertainty ahead yeah. for us and on behalf of you know our baby stroke child? And there also there's that tension as well between, particularly for a woman, I think of. The baby she's carrying that she wants to nurture and protect and look after and she can maybe feel it kicking whatever oh that's and yeah thinking about 10 years time 20 yeah. years time 30 years what happens when we go if yeah we have severely disabled child and yeah. that's what we that came up in when we chatted to um I don't know if you've listened to the podcast but we had a couple uh Reese yeah. and Layla who they made the decision to terminate their pregnancy and that was very much at the forefront of their minds is like yeah she spoke about the her the baby as a 50 year old man didn't she? yeah yeah what um, would happen then and you have but you have that's all stuff that you have to consider and it just it's so scary that you have to consider that far ahead yeah. but you've only got such a short time to do that to you've got such a short time to base a decision on the rest of someone's life yeah. And that must be just so harrowing. Like, just think when we speak to these poor people that get the news and then they have to go home and sit in their houses and and talk to each other. And like, how do you even begin to pick that apart in order to yeah. process I mean, it? I think, and that's why we're so keen for, for, for the healthcare professionals to signpost to us because we can't necessarily make the situation any easier. We certainly can't make the decisions for people, but... I think what my colleagues, there are four of us that take helpline calls. 
we're all very good at being very calm and containing people when they're sometimes mm-hmm. out of control and just helping them just calm a little bit to, in, to help them work out what the next steps may be. And, and we've yeah. got a good knowledge, for example, of where the centres of expertise are for different conditions, who they might need to see and speak to, different organisations and charities that might be able to give them more information about what life might be like so they can do all that information gathering. But then it really comes down to the two of them mm. working out what they can cope with and what yeah. they want their, their family and their child to cope with. So you guys act as quite quite a sort of information centre, do you? And you can uh, signpost, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We we deal with everything that can be picked up in pregnancy. And I've told you, I've been working at art for twenty years. I take helpline calls most days, and still every week almost there'll be something new that I'll really I haven't known because really to be frank, it's a miracle when a healthy baby's born because we hear yeah 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 yeah. thousands of things that can go wrong yeah it's so we can't get all those so we do signposts to people who can give that kind of information I suppose our job is just helping them make sense of it and work out what it means to them and for them as a couple Um, and do you guys have, are you counsellors? Are you a counsellor? Is that? Not or... trained, not, not, uh, one of my, one of our colleagues is, but I worked for the Samaritans for many years. So I have okay. that kind of background. So it's more, I guess it's empathetic listening. Yeah. I, I've been doing the job a long time. So I, I know I do have that experience to draw on as well, because I've spoken to so many couples over the years and it can be helpful to people to hear what other couples have done to help them make decisions and, mm. and, and hear about, from the experience we have of what's been helpful. Yeah, yeah I think that's definitely key, isn't it? And that's all part of what we're doing and creating this, this platform yeah. to be able to hear other people's experiences. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's just invaluable for people, especially when they feel so ashamed and isolated. Um, it's really helpful. how other people have survived it because they do feel very alone and obviously there are lots of decisions people have to make that they struggle with even in terms of how the pregnancy is actually ended Mm. whether they choose to go down the medical route and actually give birth to their baby or whether they they want to go down the surgical route or Mm. be given general anesthetic and there's a procedure obviously and that can be a really tough decision yeah and the thing is with that sort of thing there's only so much you can read because the resources that you find, the med- medical sort of resources are, um, you know, you can read them, but they don't necessarily mean very much in human terms. But actually, when you hear the experiences of other couples, and like you say, if if you can share those experiences, it gives you much more rounded kind of broad perspective of what you're actually going into. And that's, I think that's the same for all sorts of pregnancy loss. You know, you need to share these. We, this is why we need to open this conversation and share, share our stories because there's so much that can be gained for people that are yet to go through it. Or if we can, if we can build this big platform where people are easy, it's easy to find these stories then people will be so much more well equipped to to deal with what's going to happen the other really important thing is is having a range of experiences because there are no rights and wrongs Mm. we were talking about social media earlier and sometimes 
one of the other problems with social media, it can create this kind of culture mm. where a, a community of people think that this is the way to do things. And that because this is what they did, they think this is the only way to deal with it. And that can be problematic as well, because it's not a one size fits all. No, and we hope in different ways. We we came up against this recently, didn't we, Bex, with the um the language term with yeah, compassionate induction. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So we did yeah. a post and about how much we we love the term compassionate induction. We'd never heard it before. We were on a podcast with Elle from Feather in the Empty Nest and she mentioned it and we were like, wow, that's a much nicer way of putting it. And and then did a post about it and hadn't even considered that people might feel otherwise. Um, and ma- the majority of people agreed with us and said how much they liked the term. But there were other people who felt like they had finally come to terms with the fact that they'd had a termination for medical reasons and and they were ready to own it and be open about what had happened and it seemed to be not this isn't like wholly black and white but it seemed to be the people who had had a surgical termination felt that termination for medical reasons was was right for them you can't I mean it's surgical termination is it is not an induction no it's a pretty brutal procedure in some ways and so those women will feel excluded if we start talking about yeah and compassionate induction too and I absolutely get the fact that termination is a very strong and hard word Mm. and it's interesting too that we never in this context talk about abortion Mm -hmm. abortion people tend to associate with unwanted yeah Whereas it, it's a general word, it doesn't mean that, but that's the, the connotation it has. So we've shifted to using termination. But I think the problem with compassionate induction is it suggests that something's done to you. And like you said, Laura, it doesn't enable a woman or couple to say, well, we made this decision and mm. it's okay. We made yeah. this decision. We had agency. And, and that is an important part of, of actually coming to terms with what, what happened. Yeah, And I remember really, really vividly doing a presentation, I think it was at a SANS conference on termination after a diagnosis. And a woman came up to me afterwards. She was quite tearful. And she said, I just want to really thank you for, for talking so honestly about this experience and for talking about termination rather than using managed miscarriage or compassionate induction or those other terms that, that people sometimes favour. Because for me, when I when it first happened to me, I was adamant that we had to change all that language. Mm. And I wanted it to be taught the, 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 the phrase perhaps I could cope with is interrupting the pregnancy or something like that. Because everything else seemed too brutal. But I realized with counseling, with help, that I was denying the reality yeah. of what happened. Mm. Mm. And it was painful. But now I have accepted that I made this decision and it's okay that I made mm. this because mm. I'm made for the best possible reason. Yeah, it is. It is totally okay. It's I so interesting, isn't people it? feeling ashamed and mm. guilty. I mean, I guess it just goes without saying that people will have those feelings to begin yeah. with. And but, um, conflict yeah. and are almost inevitable when it's a wanted baby. And the last yeah. thing you ever imagine doing when you've 
craft and the pregnancy. And I was so excited and anticipating this new arrival in the family. I think you're going to end it. Mm, and so yeah. There's some, often, for most women, I think there's a level of conflicted feeling. I think but, that we've talked about conflicted feelings before as well, because then it must be such, a, you know, must mess with your head so much. We spoke to one girl who was um, basically praying that that her baby would die so she wouldn't have to make that decision. And then she had this horrid guilt that she was praying that her baby would die. And that whole, that's just not natural, is it? It's not a natural fit as a mother. It's, it must, it's the same as having, you know, taking a pregnancy test after you've had a miscarriage and really hoping that it's negative. You know, this whole kind of, we're so... It's so intrinsic to us to to be to want to be mothers. Those yeah. of us who decide that we do want to be mothers, that to then turn it completely on its head, it's just mm. so it feels so alien. And again, I I know I can hear those voices in my head of so many women saying, "I know it sounds awful, but I, I really want to miscarry because the mm. way the responsibility of having to make yeah. that decision, sign that form, but of course it's going to it makes them feel awful." Just as those women, and again, it's very common, who come to us saying, I really genuinely never thought I'd make this decision. I'd kind of half thought about it in the abstract before it happened, and I thought, no, I'm going to continue this pregnancy, whatever is diagnosed. Yeah. But when they face the reality, mm. it's something far more complicated than they And that's yeah. why people shouldn't be so bloody judgy, isn't exactly, it? Exactly, exactly. It's easy to judge in the abstract. Yeah. Because you haven't been in that situation. Hmm. And that can be difficult for women because they're thinking, well, who am I? I didn't expect to be a person yeah, yeah. having a termination of pregnancy. That, you know, I, some will say I even kind of, although I accept that other people have them, I never imagined that I would do it. I was maybe a little bit anti. But yeah. now I recognise the reality of it. And, and one of the positives that can come out of this horrendous experience is that women recognise that they, they shouldn't judge anyone, mm. that... They, they come out they, they they come out with it with so much empathy for other people because you don't know their stories and it's really important not to judge others and for some women that can be quite it can help them restore hope because it gives some meaning to this horrific thing that's happened and gives some meaning to the baby they lost that yeah it changed them in a way and obviously mm. they wouldn't choose to go through it for that reason but it's changed them in a way that's actually positive yeah so Jane if somebody wants to get in touch with you, there is a phone number that they can call. And yeah, our the ARC helpline is open from ten till five thirty every weekday. Okay. And um, we've also extended hours on a Tuesday and Thursday evening between eight and ten p.m. And for that, there's a different number. It's on our website because we recognise that, and it's something that's come out some of it from from the co- the whole COVID situation that it can be helpful for people sometimes to speak in the evenings. And we, mm. we have noticed an upturn in calls because I think that you know, the whole situation with the pandemic, again, has added another, added another layer of mm. difficulty with women having to go to scans on their own and, and yeah. to get the views on their own, things like that. And then the couple being together 24-7 for weeks and weeks on end when they're both struggling and they haven't yeah. got their usual outlets. I don't know if that's come up in previous mm. podcasts you've had, but that's added another pressure mm, I think a lot of people contact us more and also want more, more ongoing support because it's extra difficult through 
these tough times yeah. yeah gosh there must be so so many different aspects to how difficult it is like do you speak to couples who disagree completely on <clears throat> the decision yep thankfully it's rare is it um it is <clears throat> most couples are um together on the decision but it does happen and in different times we were if people, we, our offices are based in London and we were able to invite people if they could get to London to come and talk to us face to face. Because although we're not offering um, couples counselling, it can sometimes have to help be helped to have a, a third party there who's independent, yeah. who can help them listen to each other. So the only thing we can really offer to replicate that at the moment is speakerphone, which we do quite regularly. So talking to both of them on a speakerphone and trying to help them again, listen to each other, work out how it might feel. And, and it can be, again, another dimension for the woman when she has to perhaps consider, can I go whichever way? And it, you can never generalise which way they, you know, how they'll disagree. Sometimes it's the woman that wants to continue. Sometimes it's the woman that wants to end the pregnancy. But it may be that she's left with, with that on her own and how that feels. Mm. And, and again, that that makes it extra difficult. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm glad to say that in my experience, most couples come through this and come through this stronger. Mm. But for those couples who, where they're already perhaps cracks in the relationship and where they don't agree, then it does usually mean that sadly, not only are they dealing with the loss of their baby, but the relationship too. Oh, crikey. Yes, it's hard, isn't it? It's so awful. They're the minority. I would add, that is the minority. Mm. And so are there any other ways to contact you other than by phone? Can people email? Say email um, is is another way to contact us. We haven't, because of COVID and the fact that we can't really all be in the office at the same time, what we used to have was a live chat facility on our website that was oh, all cool. Sadly, we can't do that now. They can yeah. send us messages, but I'm hoping by the autumn we'll, we'll set that back up. But so, yeah, it's email, phone at the moment, and obviously we, we, we can't do face-to-face, but we're all yeah. desperate to actually yeah, be able yeah. to physically get together because it's meant we, we're not actually running regional meetings at the moment yeah and your 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 fundraising must be really down is it it's been a struggle we've been very lucky we've had some very generous donations from people and I think quite a few charities have found that I think people in in this difficult time have just thought we need these charities and we need yeah. to help them survive so we can't complain we've been really lucky both with people being amazing in their fundraising for us and some very very generous donors so good well, that's worry good. at the moment is 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 not there but no it's I just hope we all get to back to a kind of more normal functioning soon we're getting there we yeah, are we are, we are. I'm it's nice that it's happening in the summer as well because I feel like the sun's coming out yeah we're getting there things are a bit more positive and we'll stuff like this hopeful. just yeah. yeah definitely yeah definitely gosh well thank you so much for for chatting with us well, thanks so much for having me. It's been a, a real pleasure. And the champagne was delicious. Good. <laughs> I actually had you a... Spoil a spark- your get. You really do. <laughs> I had a sparkling elderflower, which was a really tasty, from a wine glass, which makes me feel like I am actually drinking. <laughs> yeah, like a grown-up. <laughs> Brilliant. Aww, well, thanks, thanks both of you. Thanks for all you do. You do great stuff in raising awareness. And I know your podcast means a lot to people, so... 
Yeah, yeah we good. hope so. Yeah. yeah. We'll keep in touch. Okay, we'll keep up the great work and uh, onwards and upwards. Thanks, Jane. Yeah. Take care. Bye. 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 Thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. And please, please, when you have a second, rate us, review us and share us. And let's get this taboo smashed. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>